You guys good? Let's pray real quick, and then, and then we'll go from there. Jesus, you are good, and you love us. And the plans that you have for us are great. And we can accomplish none of them without you. Lord, would you open up the scriptures for us today? Would you make us receptive to your word? Would you help me deliver the word with accuracy and anointing? Um, and without error, Lord. I bring myself under you right now, uh, Jesus, that you would um, speak, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. I'm not very good at waiting. Um, I've gotten better throughout, you know, my life, but I'm not very good at it. I was in traffic yesterday in Brooklyn on the Belt Parkway. If you've ever driven up to New York, I was stuck in traffic with my wife for about, as soon as we crossed the Verrazano Bridge, we were in traffic for a good hour before I decided, let's take the scenic route. At about an hour, I had had enough. I remember when I had just moved to Philadelphia, when I would go back to New York, I would kind of just hang out in the traffic and be like, yeah, this is good, you know. I love being back home, you know, and to try to, you know, take it all in, but not yesterday. I had somewhere to go, and I was an hour and a half late. <laughs> uh, so I'm not that good at waiting. Are you guys good at waiting? You guys, uh, I spe I'm especially not good at waiting sometimes when God says wait. Uh, but God does want to teach us to wait. And the only way to learn how to wait is by waiting. Amen? You guys know that we're in a Nehemiah series. We've been in Nehemiah now for three weeks. And uh, the first week, we kind of talked about uh, finding joy in prayer, you know, for the things that God and the purposes that God has for our lives. Uh, last week, we kind of identified that some problems, uh, the whole book of Nehemiah talks about um, there are walls that are broken in the city of Jerusalem uh, where Nehemiah's ancestors are from, and they need to tackle uh, uh, the issue of rebuilding the wall so that the people within the wall are safe, so that the people within the walls uh, can thrive again. So we identified some issues. We also brought that to 2015 and identified some issues that we have presently here in Philadelphia. And today, what I want to do is talk to you out of uh, the beginning of Nehemiah chapter 2 about waiting. About waiting. Um, something that I'm learning is that we cannot hustle our ways into uh, the purposes of God. 
In the kingdom of God, we cannot hustle our way to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. As a New Yorker, that's hard. Because, you know, New Yorkers want to hustle. And we're known for our hustle and bustle. We're known for a New York minute. We're known for walking quick on the street. If not, you're going to get ran over. We're, you know, we're, we're cutting people off in traffic. I've lived long enough in Philly now that when I go to New York, I'm about a half a second off in the dance of traffic. You know, traffic in New York is a dance. If you've, you know, there's some unwritten rules and people that are not from New York hate driving in New York because they don't know the, you know, the code. In Philly, this means nothing when you stick, stick your hand outside the window, Right? Anybody that's driven in New York knows exactly what this means. This means I'm moving over, make way, right? Because we're not going to wait. Hey. And everybody has to do it from time to time, so everybody understands, hey, man, I, that other jerk didn't let me in back there, so I'm going to need to go right now. So everybody go like this. If you do it in the street here in Philly, nobody will know what you're talking about. All right, so don't even try it. If you get into an accident, don't blame it on the pastor. Okay. But I am learning that we cannot hustle our way into the purposes that God has for us in his kingdom and that our God cannot be rushed. Amen? Sometimes you really want to move the hand of God, right? God, do this and do it now. Tell me again why I should li listen to your timing. I'm an all-knowing God, right? Where do I get this from? I, I draw this from Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. Let's go there real quick. Okay. Am I plugged in? Is this plugged in? Let's go to the next one. And the one after that. <laughs> and the one after that. <laughs> All right. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Ar Artaxes, Artaxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are, build, are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed with fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Amen. Oh, nice. I have found, and, 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 and it's consistent throughout Scripture, that if God wants to do something, he wants to do it on his timing and in his timing. Um, right here. In the month of Nisan, if you look at the beginning of Nehemiah chapter 1, it starts in verse 1, in the month of Kislev. In the same year, Kislev and Nisan, right? 
are four months apart. When Nehemiah learns that his city is destroyed and, and his heart begins to break for what is happening in his city, that people are vulnerable back home, it takes four months for, for God to open the door for him to do anything about it. Nehemiah could have tried to hustle his way. Into trying to make moves. As you may already know. And I could remind you this morning. Nehemiah was what's called a cupbearer to the king. A cupbearer did more than just bring the king wine. He was the one that tasted the wine on behalf of the king. He actually sat on the king's court. Um, the cupbearer. Um, I was talking to Jim about this earlier uh, this weekend. Um, was. Not only the man that would die if someone poisoned the drink of the king, but the only man that someone needed to win over in case they wanted the king dead. Because if they just, you know, won over Nehemiah, gave him 30 shekels of whatever, and they wanted to get to King Artaxerxes, all they had to do was... Take the one man. So there was a relationship there between the king, right, and uh, Nehemiah that Nehemiah could have perhaps exploited. But Nehemiah did not exploit that relationship. Nehemiah waited for the time of God. Amen? Anything worth doing is worth pausing for. Last week we talked about great leaders do not jump and dive right into action when they see a great crisis. They pause, they process, and they pray. And we see that specifically Nehemiah did that uh, last week we, when we talked about that. For at least a week, he observed what the Jewish people call a shiva. He sat down, weeped, mourned, processed, prayed, was in silence before the presence of the Lord until he was uh, uh, ready to take some next steps. But he realized that he could not swag his way, hustle his way into the purposes of God. Even though he had access to the king. Amen? How many of us have tried to hustle our way into the next thing? Right? It's human nature. We don't like to wait. Right? In the kingdom of God... There's very little room, if any room at all, for jockeying for position, for trying to do things on your own. You may get what you want, but that's not what God wants for you. Right? 
If we're ahead of God, then we're not on step with God, then we're not in the will of God. If we're behind God, we're not on step with God, and we're not on the will of God, right? We learn this lesson from the Israelites, right, who day and night were led by the presence of the Lord, a pillar of fire, right, by night, a cloud by day, and they were in step with God. Whenever that thing stopped, they stopped. Whenever it proceeded, they proceeded with it, right? And for 40 years, the presence of the Lord via fire and a cloud led them. Amen? So, we cannot hustle our ways into the purposes of God. If we read this so cl- too quickly, every single word in the Bible has purpose. Can you say that with me? Every single word in the Bible has purpose. Right? And sometimes we get, you know, we get so concerned about how much we read that we read so fast that we don't become students of the word of God and then kind of get the little nuggets that are in between. If you read this so quickly, what is a Nissan? No, it's not a Japanese car. Definitely not a Honda or a Chevy. What is a Kislev? As students of the word of God, that stuff ought to matter to us, right? So what do you do? You go online. It's so easy. That's what I did, right? How many months between Kislev and Nissan? Four. How did I find that out? I looked it up. And I looked it up in more than one place in case one place was lying. Right. So I was like, let me confirm this multiple in multiple places. And sure, in the Jew, in the in the Hebrew calendar, it's four months. What does that mean? That Nehemiah waited for four months. In order to get an audience with the king and in order to to pour out his heart to the king so that he can um, uh, do what God had called him to do. Nehemiah. What's interesting about Nehemiah is that Nehemiah was not um, a professional, um, like a priest or anything. He wasn't like a spiritual professional, right? Nehemiah was, it was what's called the layman. Say layman. You know when people say layman terms, all right? Can you explain that in layman terms, just in terms that everybody could understand? You know, so Nehemiah was a layman, even though he had influence and he had a position uh, uh, of influence, he was a layman. If you're not a, in the clergy, you, you, you are a layman, right? Um, this might get confusing, we're, but the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, that we're all a royal priesthood, to, but to, so, so to some degree, we're all uh, priests and priestesses of the Lord. But as far as things go on paper, some people are clergy and some people are laymen. Nehemiah, for sure, in his culture and in his context, was a layman. Nehemiah also understood uh, that the influence that God had given him for the king was not just for his personal use. Nehemiah could have easily been 
unaffected by the news that his hometown was in ruins. Because Nehemiah lived in, in a, a lavish life, a life in opulence, right? The greatest king alive, he served him. He ate at his table. Amen? But Nehemiah understood that that was not for him, but that was to bless his people and to bring God glory. Amen? So there's a couple of things that happen here. Nehemiah waits. And I think that Nehemiah understands this principle. That unless God does it, it will not last. Nehemiah is not out to get the glory for rebuilding the city. Right. And he understands that unless God does it, it will not last. I love this uh, verse in Psalm 127 um, says this. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. There's a lot of work to do in this city. And I kind of outlined that. We talked about the families in our city are broken. The education system in our city is broken. Right? The, the, the penal system in our country is obviously needs some fixing. But we can go out and try to hustle our way through trying to fix all of those issues. And chances are we might feel good about ourselves, do some good work, get some community hours in, pat ourselves on the back. But it will not last. Because unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord rebuilds the walls, the work that we do will not last. Last week we talked about pause, process, and pray before you go on and take a huge undertaking like addressing these issues that I just talked about. Because I can get up here and rile you up, right? And hire a band and tell them to come play some really cool music, make a big thing about it, and let's say, let's fix Wissanomi, right? Let's fix Mayfair. And you might have some, an, an, an initial push, right? You might get an initial push of energy and let's do it, yes! Let's make t-shirts about it. But your juice will run out. Your enthusiasm will run out. Especially on times that doing this stuff is discouraging. Where you're trying to fix the neighborhood and nobody else cares. Where you continuously pick up the trash and the same neighbor continues to litter. Right? What the Lord is calling us in this season as we're going through this book of Nehemiah is, are you in it for the long run? Are you in it after Nehemiah is done with? Our series, that means. Do you want to help rebuild the walls of our city, of our family, of our nation? And I'm telling you, it won't be easy. But it is the purpose of God. It is what God has for us. The time is now. 
but we can't hustle our ways into doing it. Unless God does it, we're going to labor in vain. I think God picked the right man for the job. You know, Nehemiah was not a mason. He was not a carpenter. He was not a man that knew of bricks and hay and straw. He was a man that knew wine. Quite literally, he was a man that knew wine. Right? How many people that know wine do you know that can also uh, work a skill saw? Right? If that's, I, I don't know very many that can do that. But the Lord did not pick Nehemiah because he could uh, work a skill saw. The Lord picked Nehemiah because Nehemiah understood these concepts, understood the heart of God, and primarily, I think, because Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Right? In 13 chapters, there's 12 prayers that are recorded. And Nehemiah understood the concept that if it's going to get done, God has to do it. Right? Yes, we have a part to play, but God needs to be the one that orchestrates the meeting four months after the fact. But we, this is not in the text, but I, I'm pretty sure that Nehemiah prayed every single day after that happened for the right timing. And what we may consider the right timing may not be the same as God's timing. But God in his sovereignty, God in his all-knowingness knows exactly when a door needs to open or when a door needs to close. Amen? I love um, what Ian Bound says. Uh, Ian Bound wrote many books on prayer. He said, God isn't looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. Men of prayer. God isn't looking for better methods. God's looking for better women. Women of prayer. God can give the method to anybody. And I think he understood that about Nehemiah. That's why he gave the method to a man that knew wine, to a wine connoisseur. But, be, but because Nehemiah was a man of prayer, a man that heard from the Lord, right, that made him prime to understand that the purposes of God have to be accomplished primarily by God. Amen? Are there some things in your life that need some fixing? Are there some, some walls in, in your own personal life? Uh, not the walls that keep God out, but walls that, you know, boundaries that are healthy, that need to be restored? Oh, God wants to do it. God wants to do it. But unless he does it, what we're going to do is in vain. Amen? Here's some of the things that, um, in this order, happen in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, when he first hears that Jerusalem is in ruins, he sits, he weeps, he mourns, he fasts, he prays, he waits. Everybody say waits. He then asks the king boldly. He waits again. Now, this time, it's very short wait. He went from a four-month wait to a few seconds wait. 
God answers his prayer, and then he acts. I'll show you where it happens. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. So that was four months after it happens, right? He waits there. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? The state of his country affected him. This can be nothing but the sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid, but I said nothing to the king. May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And then the king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Mind you, he's in mid-conversation. I love this. And I don't know how he does it, if he does it internally, if he turns a little bit, acts like he's pouring a little bit more wine. But mid-ask, he says, wait, let me pray. In the middle of the situation, let me just pray right now. I know I've been praying for four months, but now I'm in the middle of it. I'm in the thick of it. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. And after praying, and only after praying, I answered the king. And then his request was very clear. That's one thing that I'm learning about leadership is that you need to have very clear objectives. To someone like the king, he didn't have all day to listen to all of his uh, theories about how they could rebuild the wall, what type of wood they were going to use, uh, how many man hours they were going to need. He said, listen, this is what I need to do. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Ju in Judah, which is Jerusalem, where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. It's a very nice way to say it. Mind you, he's talking to the king, so he's not going to be like, yo, let me just take a leave of absence because I got to do some work back home. Right? He goes about it in a way that's very professional. He goes about it in a way that is very succinct. And he says, this is what I need. Big ask. And then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, Ask me, how long will it take for your journey? And when will you get back? And it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Now, I'm not sure whether or not he already had a time in mind. He probably had a time in mind already. But he, he probably played out this conversation many times before actually having this conversation. He worked directly under the king. The king was basically his manager, but it was... You know, the king is the king. He's everybody's manager, right? But the king was his direct employer. If Nehemiah were to leave to go rebuild his city, he needed to ask direct permission from the king of the entire empire. And he said, hey, man, let me go. It doesn't say specifically how much time he asked for a leave. They say the wall was rebuilt in 52 days. Some places I've read that he asked for a 12-year leave of absence. Because once he uh, rebuilt the wall, and we'll, uh, and we'll see this later, he had to rebuild the government. Right? 
And then he, not only did he rebuild the government, he rebuilt the worship, which Ezra had already started about 150 years prior, right? And he put different people in those places. You know, and, 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 it, and it took him some time. He waits. And then what happens? This is bold. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. In one place here it says, two on, in the end of 2-2 two, two it says, and I was very much afraid. Right there, right before the number three. He's asking the king for a 12-year leave of absence, and he's asking him for money. Let me go, but also give me your money to do this on your dime. I can understand a little bit why he would be afraid to ask the king, hey man, I'm actually not going to be, I, what I want to do is you to pay for me to take a 12-year, what you would consider vacation, Right? And go pursue my own personal interest. And while you're at it, would you write me a check also? And would you, hey man, I know you're the king and all. Maybe Mr. President, could you also write me a letter that the IRS would not tax me <laughs> in the process? Make me a 501c3 while you're at it. All at once, you can understand why he's afraid. Love this. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. And it wasn't because I hustled, right? It wasn't because I jockeyed for position. It wasn't because I waited my turn in line. It was because of God. It was because of God that the king answered all of my requests. The letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates, which is where he would be passing by, were really adamant towards everybody. The Jewish people, specifically who had started rebuilding the temple a hundred years before, they wanted nothing to do with. And it was not safe travel. Later on, we find out that the king says yes to all this, and he even sends his ca cavalry with him to guide him there safely. Even the king said, that's not safe for you to do. But because God touched the king's heart, he said, I'm going to give you everything you need. We need a move like that in Wissanomi. Right? Where we can't say, hey, Truvine did it. Truvine called this senator and Truvine called this state rep and Truvine did this and then Truvine was responsible. Because that would take from the glory of God.
We need to pray big prayers. I'm sure during that four month period, Nehemiah was saying, you know, if he came across off, it could have been off with his head. Because he was standing before the king. Amen. Love this. Love this. Uh, this is not, is this, not a, 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 uh, this is exciting for me. Anybody else? We, anybody else? We need God to move in our city. We need God to move in our families. We need God to do what we cannot do. Anybody else tired of hustling? Right? Into going to this place to try to get this help and going to this place to try to do this and, and trying to get people to sign some papers. And all God has to do is just say, and it's done. And it's done. And it's done. And it's done. Amen? Amen. Nehemiah sits, weeps, mourns, fasts, prays, waits. He asks boldly. He waits again. God answers. This time he only waited a little bit. And then Nehemiah goes ahead and acts. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates, gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. And he was on his way. I have uh, a few things that um, I want you to take away from, from today. First thing is that we cannot hustle our way into our purposes. Because God cannot be rushed. Amen? The other thing is that facts are important. But God can change the facts. Last week I gave you the facts about single parents' homes. Right? It was astounding. About 50% of the homes in Philadelphia are, fi are, are single parent homes. In Camden, it was like 60.8% or something like that, or 68%. Right? Does God, to me, I call that the, the urban orphan to some degree. You know? Because if mom is working, right, the kid is basically growing up as a latchkey kid. Who's raising the kid? Right? And if dad's not present, the kid's off to raise himself, or the community's raising him, or other 13, 14-year-olds are raising him, right? But can't God do something? Can God provide a surrogate family in the church for the, for, for the children? God can change the facts. But they're important, and we can't ignore them. But unless the Lord does it, it ain't going to last. Amen? Can you say that with me? Unless the Lord does it, it ain't going to last. Man. All right. This is how I'm going to close today. Does anybody have any questions about anything that I said or maybe something from last, uh, last week or anything that you've been wanting to ask? I know we don't do this normally here, but does anybody have any questions? It's kind of warm in here too. I swore I, sh I shut down the heat. Anybody? Anything specific?
I'll put, uh, I'll refer all your questions to Scott. I know he's been diligently studying the book of Nehemiah. Chris, can you pull up that song that we were going to sing? How about you guys stand real quick? All right. I'm not going to sound as good as Rachel. But let's do this together. Amen. How about you shake it out a little bit? The task that we have before us is huge. This week, I got to go to the Wissanoming Civic Association meeting. And there are a lot of people there, and they're concerned. They want the neighborhood to get better. You know, Angela actually got to come with me. And that's actually the, sec- the, the last Tuesday of the month at 7 p.m. That's how we affect our, our city. You know, wherever you live, get involved, right? We also talked about how um, we were going to get involved with folks in the penal system, the, in, in the prisons. Valerie actually put together a list because she works in the prison system of people that, you know, I said, let's start small. Let's just write people some letters as a congregation, people that don't normally get a lot of mail. Yeah, they did something wrong. That's why they're in there, more than likely. But the Bible says visit people in jail. Okay, let's, let's, try, let's start with a letter. You know, he also said let's get involved with Lawton School. You know. There's a, there's a pipeline that starts in the educational system and it leads to the penal system. How about we try to get at the problem at the root? And I said last week that they encourage prisoners to read the Bible, but they, they discourage kids from doing anything God-related in school. <laughs> right? There's a, there's a connection there, I think. But we can't do it. We can't change the law. But you're believers. I'm a believer. You have kids. I have kids. A lot of us, right? We can teach our kids about this stuff. If it starts with a kid, they can't shut it down. But the adults can't teach it. If your kid starts talking about Jesus, he might be the weird kid. But they can't tell him you got to, you know, leave school or whatever. So... We have a long uphill battle ahead of us. Amen? But Christ has to accomplish this. We need to build on Christ. Otherwise, it's sand, which is exactly what this says. You want to kick us off, Rachel, and then I'll finish it? Just from back there. Do it. A little rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand All other ground is sinking sand Let's do that again. On Christ the solid rock I stand All other ground is sinking sand Jesus, we recognize that if something is going to change, it has to start with you. Lord, teach us to wait. 
since for some of you, and, and this goes for me too, it, just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. That may mean different things for everyone. Corporately as a community, just because it hasn't happened in Wiss or in Mayfair and Tyson, wherever you live in, South Jersey, Willow Grove, doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Would you just say this with me? You know how we say, Lord, teach us to pray? Can we say, Lord, teach us to wait? I need this more than anybody in this room. Seriously. Because I'm always getting ahead of God. And then I'm like, where is God? Oh, yeah, I left him. Amen. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you, wherever he would send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and keep you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once, once again into our doors. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Amen.